All right, I think we're going to take a break from the uh, the auto-tune bit. I feel like I rode that horse, you know? I feel like uh, it's time to, time to rein it in a little bit. Greg, could you flick the lights on that sign? Thanks, Greg. Thank you, man. Jeez. What a guy. All right, welcome back, everybody. You guys are all a huge part of Weibo.tv, so the better you are, the better BJ is. That lady over there, she's doing her thing, telling me to stop doing my thing, telling me to wrap it up. We're starting in less than 10 seconds. Today on the show, we have Adam Rose. So super good time. You know, why don't we uh, why don't we just kick back? Why don't we just enjoy ourselves a little bit? Let's uh, let's get it going. All right, everyone. Quiet on set, please. In five, four, three, two. Hello everyone, I'm BJ Mendelson. I'm joined today by Adam Rose on another edition of Weibo.tv. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, so why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm a writer living out in Los Angeles. I've been out of here for 20 years. Um, gosh, yeah. I live in Eagle Rock now. Um, I'm also a teacher and I've been writing for, I mean, I've been writing since like before college, but I guess what I, what I've been writing has changed over the years or um, stayed the same in some cases, but I've been writing comics for about 15 years or so, or I, I guess early on, like learning how to write comics, I should say, and still learning. I'm not saying I'm, I've suddenly mastered it all, but, um, and one of the, my first, like really cutting my teeth was a um, all ages uh, graphic novel that I, I made uh, called Playground Attack of the Gurgle Bots, which a British uh, publisher named uh, Marcosia Entertainment put out for me about five years ago. And, you know, even leading up to that, that was like a three year plus of writing the script, finding the artist, collaborating with the artist, getting, the, you know, things done, drawbacks, like real personal life situations, slowing things down. Like I learned, I feel like I got a master's grad program of comic book making with that experience with that first book. I mean, and prior to that, I'd written comic scripts that just either didn't take off or whatever. This, that was the first one that I saw all the way to the finish line. Um, and it was, you know, it was different as far as um, what I have now coming out with Source Point Press, which is corollary, because this is um, starting in, as single issues, a um, monthly comic. April 20th is the first issue. Um, and then, you know, the four will come up and then eventually it'll be collected into a graphic novel. And it's also got the vibe of um, it's an old. I mean, it, it's under the category of all ages, but it's not like the like playground was like middle grade is what I would call that. This is more like you know Guardians of the Galaxy level violence and other situational stuff. So I wouldn't say hey, if you're um, eight years old, you could pick it up necessarily, but you, depending on the eight year old, I think. And then and and all the way up to us. I mean, it's I've made it for people like you, you me to enjoy as well as like my son who's 12 years old and whatnot. Um, and it's like, it, I brought up Guardians of the Galaxy because it is, it's a it's a galactic romp. And the premise um, came actually from my daughter five years ago when some friends of hers were about to have like twin siblings. And she just said one night when I was putting her to bed, and at this point she was only like four, year, four or five. She's like, you know, if, if, you tickle a twin or if you make a twin laugh, is their tw other twin going to giggle or, or, you know, get the, get the giggles. And I kissed her goodnight and tucked her in. And then all of a sudden the dark writer side of me is like, Oh, what if it was a galaxy of twins? And if your twin died, you died. 
And that just opened it up for me. And I, I hit the ground running writing it. I found um, Rob Ahmad. Um, he's a British artist. He's incredible. He's done other other big books like uh, through Scout Comics. He did a series with Action Lab, plenty of stuff in England as well. Um, and we just hit it off. And we, it was a whole, that's the other thing, like, you know, all communication was emails, uh, chats, texts, you name it. But that was how we corresponded. And the back and forth was brilliant as far as just we were on the same page with the design. And, you know, I brought up Batman Beyond before. And I would say his style for this is got a bit of a Bruce Tim vibe to it. Um, and then the big experiment that we went for with this um, is he watercolored the first three issues by hand. Wow. And then we brought in, because then he had, he was honest with me, with me. He finally was like, I can't, the fourth and final issue, he's like, I can't, I don't have it in me. I can't, I can't do it anymore. It's beautiful, but I can't, I, you know, I gotta, we gotta pass it off. And he, we passed it to this digital colorist, uh, Gabby. She did an amazing job um, replicating what he did by hand for the first three. And DC Hopkins, who's like a pro's pro of letterers, he um, lettered the whole book and was beyond amazing. And, and that's the other thing I learned, like in DC was really cool about this. Like I would, there were like layers, like, you know, I thought the script was done and in the can when I gave it to Rob. And then when Rob would give me pages back, I would change. I was like, Oh, you know what? I got to change this page like this. And he sometimes, and I always said to him, flexibility. Like if you don't think, if you disagree with my, when I say page three is six panels of this fight sequence or whatever, you think it needs to be two pages, whatever, then you do it. And he, most of the time he didn't, but sometimes we, you know, I was like, oh yeah, this wakes the beats he's filling in. So I'd go back. And similarly, when we finally get to the letterer and DC was very, beyond generous as far as this, there were times where um, he would give me the pages back and I'd be like, oh, you know what? that's too wordy or something. You know, even then there were little cuts or little add-ons and source point themselves, the um, Cameron Kirkow and, uh, and Josh were like uh, amazing as far as like notes and just helping keep everything fluid for the whole series. Now let me ask, there's so many different segues and things that I want to, that I want to touch on, <laughs> but I just, I just want to rewind the clock a little bit back to like what, you know, because the medium is always is such a crucial part of any story that's being told. And so yes. with Corollary, I, I'm interested in what the thought process was to say, okay, this works best as a comic. Great question. Um, and I will start with the fact that comic books have been my love, like my lifeblood since I was eight. I mean, I, when I started writing comics, I realized... I was, you know, it's just, it came, I'm not going to say, sound, I don't want to sound like when I say it came naturally, I just mean once I got the rhythm and I realized in the, in the world of a comic and what happens in between those panels is so magical and beautiful to me. Like those gutters, what we can create in the mind's eye is the equivalent to like a hundred million dollar budgeted movie. So I guess to answer your question, Corollary, I'd never thought of it as anything else. Um, it had to be this huge and the only space that I could see containing how, you know, from talking planets to dinosaur floating megalopolis cities in space to 
celestial-like beings arm wrestling using planets as an armrest. Um, it had to be a comic. Hey there, boys and girls. It's your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman here, inviting you to invite me into your ear holes five days a week with my podcast, The Ralph Report. Join me, Eddie Pence, Steve Ashton, and the rest of the happy lunatics that make up the Garmy for as little as 15 cents a day. And for that, you get five shows a week filled with music and jokes and news and history and just so much good stuff that you're going to be glad you chose The Ralph Report. How do you listen? Well, it's pretty simple. Go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up today. There's four amazing levels of subscription that you can join, each one with their own special bunch of benefits. So check it out. Listen to me, Ralph Garman, on The Ralph Report. Patreon.com slash The Ralph Report. Hello, I'm your host of the Harriman Herald Radio Show, and artificial intelligence using the voice of a dead guy for a comedy bit. You can call me Paul Shackman. I have no idea who that is, but it's a very funny name. Did his ancestors live in a shack? They must have. I hope it was a very nice shack at least and not the kind you use out in Alaska to take a shit, only to find a bear at the bottom of your toilet tunnel, angry about the piece of shit that just hit him in the face. We have time for only one story today, so let's go to Nancy Diamante who is over at Harriman State Park. Nancy. Thank you, Paul. You sound a lot like that Honest Trailers guy. Are you sure you're not him? I can't be sure of anything. I am an artificial intelligence, not a person. I only know whatever BJ tells me to say. The only thing I know for sure is that this comedy segment is proof that God is dead. He is dead. Paul, you're right. What story would you like to share with us today? Paul, I'm here outside the cave of a bear with a very troubling story. Yesterday afternoon, during his typical routine, Gary was out minding his own business. That is, until he encountered a bunch of teenagers. So I was out, just doing bear things, you know. And then I hear this noise from the bushes, like a caw-cawing sound. A caw-cawing sound? Yeah, you know, like caw-caw, caw-caw, caw-caw. And then what happened? So I go into the bushes, you know, like an idiot. And these two teenagers come out of nowhere and bite me on the ass. On the ass? The ass, Nancy. The ass. You must have been pretty mad. I mean, if they had asked permission first, I wouldn't have mind. You know what I'm saying. I do. Who doesn't like a good bite on the ass? Right. But they surprised me. So I got real mad and stood up. You know how bears do. And I roared. And then they took a photo and ran away. I bet you that shit's on Instagram. Indeed it is. The Harriman Herald was able to find the photo of Gary standing up and bellowing at his assailants. But the teenagers could not be reached for comment. Gary is currently considering pressing charges. I just want people to know that you can't bite a bear on the ass and think you're going to get away with it. Not out here. Not in my woods. We'll have more on this important story as it develops. Back to you, Paul. Thank you, Nancy. This has been another edition of the Harriman Herald. We now return you to what are you working on? Already in progress. Tell me a little bit about how you developed the story. So you had you mentioned the Germany idea being planted, right? And, and so, so it kind of sat there for a while. But what was that moment where you, where you started to work it out and say, "Okay, this is the direction that this could go"? And how did you start to break it out? So that goes back to what I said from the get go about even like Batman is like caring about the character. And so my main character, uh, Cassandra Cass, I, I knew that. Um, there had to be something she was looking for. Like what was her, her like super objective, if you will, like what did she want more than anything? And what she wanted 
was, even though she didn't know it, because she, she comes off initially as pretty self-absorbed. And the whole premise is like everybody in the galaxy wants to know how she survived a twin death. Because all these planets with all levels of technology haven't been able to figure it out. So they start hiring her as a speaker to come and talk to them. And they're hoping to glean some kind of insight. And of course, there's a huge revelation about that later. But bottom line is, um, it's her journey of reconnecting with family through these uh, talks. But then also, you find out one of her main goals is um, taking this money and reuniting her family. Um, and that, that plays a huge part uh, later, and well, well, throughout the whole thing. So her and, and um, what she does and what she has, to, she, she's, she comes off in a selfish light, but at the same time, once you get to know her over the issues, you understand that what she's been doing the whole time hasn't been for her. Let me ask you, when you sat down to break the story into the number of pages that you had per issue, what was that, what was that process like? That, you know, I, again, that goes back to how I love the form of comics and especially, and I know maybe, you know, it's time to get with the times as far as this is the single issue going to be around forever. I don't know, but I know one thing you can, you can't do with a, well, maybe that's not true, but I guess, let me say this. What I love about the end of a single issue that, you know, and there's an, you know, it's, and it's not over is that last page that oh crap moment of oh my god i gotta get the next one and i love building that um and i hope and i think at the end of the first issue that last giant panel on the last page everyone's gonna be like what the heck is good i mean i have to get issue two so that's how i broke it or split it i mean i wrote the whole thing um you know together, I guess. Well, that's not true, actually. No, I I did write it and knew, I just knew, okay, this is the end of issue one. And that was, and I constantly, even within an issue, I would make sure I was, I had that, that crescendo splash page moment somewhere in the middle, Um, or even just the bottom of a five panel page and you, and the, just the, feeling of turning that page in my mind to seeing something. Oh, whoa, that, that's something. And I don't know, I, 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 I really geek out on the, on the fact that, you know, comics uh, as, a, as an art form came up in, in the United States. And, you know, of course, it came up in other areas too. But I'm just, as far as an American art form, it came up at the exact same time, more or less, as jazz. That's right. And I really think there's a there, and I know I'm not the first person to say that, but I, you know, I, I heck, I'll, I'll listen to Miles Davis while writing. I mean, it's I think there's a connection there. I really do. And professional wrestling. Yes. I always tell people if you go back to the 1930s, that is when America saw the birth of jazz, the birth of comic books as we know them, and the birth of professional wrestling. Uh, and all three of those things really do fuel together. And, and I have this pet theory about like the silent generation being as, you know, the this dominant creative force that they were because they were raised in those things. Because Stan Lee growing up, Jack Kirby growing up, George Carlin growing up, uh, Norman Miller growing up, like you could go on and on and on. Like there's all these luminaries from that era. There was something in the air in terms of storytelling that, that was in, from the 1930s. 
No, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think, you know, I've dabbled in watching silent films. I feel like, you know, you're just reminding me like that's, that's something like, you know, I think as any kind of creator, any artist, and I remember being told this because I, you know, I used to be an actor back way back when, like ancient history time. But, you know, a lot of acting teachers like, you know, your homework tonight is to go and do something way out of your comfort zone. If you're not normally an opera person, go to the opera. This is when I lived in New York City. So, like, you know, what, when they said to go out out of your comfort zone, it's really easy <laughs> to find something to do out of your comfort zone. And, you know, go to um, an exhibit or a museum that has something, you know, maybe you're not normally someone that, oh, gets jazzed up about uh, a photography uh, show, but go to that. And every time I would do that and I continue, even though it's, I guess it's harder sometimes, especially, well, especially during COVID, but <laughs> um, I mean, even with music, I'm still trying to like check out new stuff all the time to inspire me. And I, and I feel like I do, I get like little germs of ideas or it crops up into my dreams. Even it really does help open up um, whatever I'm working on. And the one thing I try to be good about is sometimes I'll have like the, like a, Oh yeah. Moment of something I'm writing script wise, or, you know, I also like, I write novels too. Like if a character is like stuck somewhere for me, Sometimes like my subconscious takes over at night and like in the middle of the night, I have to like write, wake up and write something down. Usually I just like use notes on my phone because I can't see anything in the, in the middle of the night. But yeah, I think um, staying out of your comfort zone as much as you can uh, helps inspire. For sure. Now, I just have a few questions left with the, the time that we have. Uh, so let me first guess, where, where can we find you? Where can we find your books, your comics? Yes. Um, so... So at Source Point Press, they're they're going to be in any local comic book store. Ideally, by um, final order cutoff, which is March twentieth, tell your local comic book store you want Corollary from Source Point Press. Uh, the first issue is April twentieth, and then it's four issues uh, total uh, every month. And um, I'm building a website, but like right now, I'm pretty busy on Twitter uh, Adam at Adam Rose uh, seventy four. And I'm also on uh, Instagram uh, at Shazam Cap. <laughs> I got that before the Shazam movie came out, so nice. I feel pretty proud of that. Um, and yeah, as far as a uh, playground goes, I mean that's still uh, Marcosia or Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble. I mean, you know, it's 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 all over the place. But that is you know the opposite of corollary, where it's not a single issue kind of deal for comic book stores. This is the most important question of the show. Um, is there's someone in your network that you know of who you feel like deserves more attention, like deserves to have a spotlight put on them. And then who would that person be? Tell us. Wow. Um, okay. Well, I feel like he's getting the spotlight uh, a little bit, but um, there's this artist that I've been talking to about a future project uh, by the name of uh, Magenta King out of um I believe he's uh, out of Brazil. They do have a, they have a dark horse series right now called Jenny Zero. Um, but Magenta's style is just gorgeous. And um, I feel like um, I'm getting in on the ground floor, or not even the ground floor, but just getting to like uh, try to work with someone like that has been amazing. Thank you. This was, this was great. Uh, we covered a lot of ground, I think. You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty upset that the Mets are good now. Why is that? 
Well, because now we can't experience things like when they had a 97-year-old pitching coach. You mean Phil Regan? Yeah, th- that guy who played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. That team hasn't even existed for 65 years. Like, do you understand how close we all came to having this super old guy coaching the Mets? Do you understand the kind of comedy gold that could have been, like right now when we need laughter the most? He probably wouldn't even remember who was on the team. Regan would be in the dugout chewing tobacco and saying shit like, send in Willie Mays. And then one of the guys on the bench would be like, coach, Willie Mays is dead. And then Regan would be like, the hell he is, get him in there. I don't think Willie Mays is dead. He's not. And I hope Willie Mays lives forever, I really do. But Willie Mays also hasn't played for the Mets since 1973. Anyway, I just want people to understand the potential joy that we're all deprived of now that the Mets are good. Hmm. Well, that's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Weiwo.tv, you know what you need to do. Rate us and leave us a review wherever your favorite podcast can be found. That'll help people find this show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you did. You did enjoy the show, right? We're going to assume you did, because you made it to the outro. Most people don't. Be sure to follow BJ on Instagram at BJ Mendelson and tell him who you'd like to see interviewed next. You can also text your suggestions to BJ at 646-331-8341. But don't call that number. BJ says he's only going to answer if you're Melissa O'Neill from ABC's The Rookie. Also, only if you're going to ask him out on a date. We'll see you next time, right?